Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. LPN Deep Dives presents A Court of Thorns and Roses. With Natalie Jean and Jackie Zabrowski. You know what's good about a big, thick wig? Oh, where do you think I'm going with this? <laughs> I just, I just, I was taken aback by, you know, it's good about big, thick wig. Um, what? Don't put on the ears. See, okay, I said this, guess who put on the ears before she Girl. put on the wig. All right, I what mean, an idiot. commitment. I'm such an idiot. I'm double, I'm double fey today. But then you I can pull your ears, you can pull your hair back and that's cute. We look like a, bun- a couple of floozies today. I we really look like we we look like we're in two Wong Fu things for everything Julie knew. We do. We do. <laughs> we look like because, we're at like a, a bachelorette party right now. Yeah, it's fine. Also, I'm wearing a prom dress, so I also look like um, fabulous. A forty year old also look teenager. Fabulous. <laughs> No, I did. I put this wig on. I put this wig on and I asked, I, I sidled up to Jeff and I was like, hey, Jeff, you like how this looks? And he's like, you look like your name is Bobby with an I. And I was like, is that bad? And he's like, no. And, and that, I realized something in that moment. <laughs> I had no idea. So I'm ready. Um, I do feel like this wig, of course I got it. It's a, it's a cheap, cheap It's really wig. cute. And I feel I love like... This on you. Because really? you've never dyed your hair before. No, I've never dyed my hair, but I feel like I feel so washed out as a blonde. Mm. Uh, it's really cute. You think so? Should yeah. I go blonde? Yes. Do blondes have more fun? That's what I'll say the entire time. They get more sexual harassment. <laughs> Ooh, that does sound fun. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, you're getting some weird energy from me 2024 today. 2024 sexual harassment theme? No. Um, I'm wearing bucket hats. Oh, for 2024? Yeah, I've been wearing bucket hats. I've That's got a lot of bucket year. hats. Yeah. With, um, so oh, next 2023. Year. Oh, next year. Oh, yeah, we could do that for next year. Okay, great. 
Oh, wow. I got to get better at my cat calling. Oh, no, I thought you were going to get sexually harassed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll start. Um, I'm. St- you know what? I'm taking my panties off. <laughs> Don't everybody know I'm taking my panties off? I have underwear on, and I want everyone to know, and I'm not going to be taking my panties off. I can off. see both of your hands, so if you are taking your panties off, I I Whoa. would watch whatever you're doing, if, because I'm curious. If I could do it without my hands, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yep, they're gone. You wouldn't need to be podcasting anymore, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Put me on Penn and Teller or Chris Angel. <laughs> oh, my oh my God, wouldn't I be perfect as an assistant for Chris Angel? You would be. Yes. Get me in there. I'm a show woman to end all shows. Well, and you definitely would end. go be Bobby in that scenario. You, for sure. Oh, I'm definitely wearing this wig with Chris Angel. And in my Illyrian fighting leathers, I think that he's definitely, that is going to be sexual harassment 2024. Yes. <laughs> because again, I got my I got my top on because ugh, lots is happening oh. today. But um, oh. it's the top that I just can't keep myself from touching my breasts in. Uh, they're right there. What am I supposed to do? Sexual harassment 2024. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, okay, self-sexual. I was about to say, I'm like, I hope that you don't feel harassed right now, Natalie. I, I don't. Don't worry. Is it because I'm looking so good? Yeah, because you're too be hot. Sexual harassment? <laughs> you're too hot for it to be sexual <laughs> harassment. <laughs> All right, let's get out of this conversation. Ooh, Bobby likes. <laughs> That's going to be my slogan for the day. Get used to it. Cool. Oh. <laughs> Bobby likey. Bobby likey. <laughs> No. And I think it's because I'm having my first sips of coffee. I think that that's why. I think this energy, this is how I wake up. That's how you you should say poor Jeff. This is how I wake up. Like a maniac. And then coffee calms you? Sure. Mm. I think it keeps it going because I like the feeling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I think, too. Yeah. All right. Here we go. caffeinated. Here we go. Get ready because there's a lot happening right now. Yeah. Um... So, also at the top, let me real quick just throw in here. I know a couple of people have asked me to label the scenes that dudes grappling with erotica are doing each uh, week. It's kind of tricky because they're broken up. They're pieces of each scene. So, just know, I know for those of you who haven't read the books and are just following along, just know the scenes that they're reading are scenes that have already happened. So, you're never getting a sex scene from the future. The future. You're only hearing... Things you were getting set up for. Just the sex of your past. And just like lean into it. See if you, oh, play a game, see if you can figure out which scene it was. Ooh, right? that's fun. Um. Anyway, Seer. Can you imagine having to read excerpts of sex of your past? <laughs> no, I don't want to remember. There was a reason I was as drunk as I was. And it was because I had a problem. Bobby, you're out of control. Bobby likey. (laughs) Seer. Seer. Seer is a cool title, by the way, because it makes you sound sort of like a mage and a soldier to me. Yes. It's a fun title. Yes. Um, So... Elaine? Well, I think that would be a smager. A smager, yes, of course. Um, <laughs> Elaine's reaction is, to me, really relatable because if you'll recall, we've just found out she's a seer because As figured it out, not her mate. 
Um, and it's really like when you find out what's wrong with you um, in your brain, sometimes that is half the battle, right? Yeah. Elaine turned to Moore, who was now gaping at my sister from her spot beside her on the couch. Is that what this is? And the words, the tone, they were so normal sounding that my chest tightened. So much that maybe this is a metaphor for mental illness or, an un, you know, like an undiagnosed neurodivergence or something, because that is the worst part sometimes of suffering through a mental health crisis is not knowing what's going on, that you think maybe you've just gone insane or... Getting a diagnosis. So, and I mm. will say, just just as a little PSA here, be careful of diagnosing yourself from TikTok because I do find <laughs> that this is like a big what? issue in talking to Dr. Jordan. It doesn't always work. Um, I know, surprisingly. Um, but diagnosis can change your life. Mm-hmm. And especially when you start going down the journey of taking care of yourself in the way that you need to be taking care of yourself. You're, I, I think you're right. Totally. I mean, for sure. And both of us can say, and many people listening, I'm sure, sure can yeah. say, you, you go through a journey, but it is so, so worth, you know, doing whatever you can to try to get a professional diagnosis, which is not easy in this country. But in Prithian, all you need is an Asriel. Oh, my oh. God. Cover me in your shadows. <laughs> And his meatballs? Um, Let's see. (laughs) (laughs) So when Elaine gets a name attached to her strange feelings, it's almost, it comes across as this grand relief to her. Moore, who I'm today, if you can't tell. I could totally tell. I went, Moore, Moore, Moore. And I went, how do I like it? How do I like it? Moore, Moore, Moore. And I got scared. Mm -hmm. Um, I get scared easily as Bobby. I, I I understand. It's it's a hard world. Out th- hard, it's a hard world out there. It is for a Bobby like for a me. Bobby. Um, so more than uses her truth seeking abilities and confirms that yes, that seems that sh- that's the case that she's a seer. Again, we're back in this awkward trio of Elaine, Lucian, and Azrael. And Lucian again doesn't seem to know how to handle this, while Az does. Ooh, will love a man with confidence. He's very confident. He's very confident. Except like he's not, but then not, he is. He is, but he's not. And that's so hot. And usually a trap. Oh. Um, <laughs> while, <laughs> while they're all getting so their... So trusting. <laughs> while they're all getting their bearings on this information, they revisit her bringing up the queen that she just mentioned at the end of last episode. So... They thought she was referring to the other queen uh, from who was killed in, in Valaris in that scene. Mm-hmm. But she was actually referring to the sixth queen, the one that the others always said was ill. That was oh. her premonition, her the thing she was seeing, the strange thing. They ask Elaine if she is perhaps alive. And already Elaine seems to grasp how to enter that information through her head. Yes, she tells them, the sixth queen is is alive. What would you do with your seer abilities? What would you do first? I would create world peace. Oh my god, I love that answer. I've never heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> I just really care. I just don't think I'd want to be a seer. You know what? I'm going to say it. Mm-mm. I don't want to see in your heads. No, it's too much. Like, I don't need that much information. I don't want to know. Mm-mm. I'd rather go, la, la, li, li, loo. 
Um, because life is easier when you la la li li loo your way through it. You don't want to know what's in people's heads. <laughs> no. Especially when I'm looking this good. Especially as an intrusive thought queen. You don't want to know what happens Ooh. in here. Ooh, you don't want to know. Um, I don't, I'm not thinking about cutting off my own hands just to see. <laughs> what if I did, though? <laughs> what if I did? Um, How quickly would spooky. I adapt? It's spooky in here. Favorite ponders on while Nesta. Favorite ponders on while Nesta stole from the cauldron. So Favorite's like, well, okay, Nesta stole. Perhaps the cauldron gave something to Elaine. Faison realizes. I'm saying Faison, which is a, an internet thing. It's the couple. It's the hashtag. Um, there may be an ally in all of this because the sixth queen, you know, she was kept away perhaps because she didn't agree with the other queens. And they really need freaking allies right now. They are, they don't have a lot going on. So if she ain't friends with those queens, maybe, maybe she, she should friends come with be them friends. Fays. Yes, them Faes. They ask if Elaine can see what happened to her, and she says that she can see that the queen sold her to some dark sorcerer, but goes on to still understand little about who or what this sorcerer is. But we've learned from her past Ridlin that it has something to do with a, quote, bird of burning feathers, a.k.a. a firebird. So the concept of the firebird is actually oh, oh will that, that get every old? Time? Oh, will that get old? <laughs> <laughs> it's from old folk- folklore, actually, mostly attributed to Russian fairy tale origins, uh, or of the Slavic people. It's really old. Uh, its folk tale origin means that there is no creator attributed to it, nor is there one specific fable. The majority of stories around the firebird oh! revolve. Oh no. <laughs> Revolve around an adventurer discovering one. I'll forget. Don't worry. The best part about me and my bits is I will forget at least 20 seconds after I start. the. Love it. I love it. (laughs) Um, It makes me sound unhinged is what it is. No, no, no. Never. The majority of stories around the fire burn revolve around an adventurer discovering one of its fire colored feathers that is usually glowing. In the story, which sets about a chain of actions that involve a quest or a journey. So it's like the beginning of like Zelda. Oh, so the whole thing about the firebird is they find the feather and they're like, there must be a firebird around here. And then they got to go find the firebird. But it's usually like a bunch of things happen. The firebird is basically like a harbinger of adventure, if that makes sense. Oh, so it's I mean, want to find what no, no, never mind. No, I don't. I do. You do. If we find one and we're together, I go, you have it. <laughs> have that. Here's the golden feather. I got to go. Um, <laughs> so I'll tell Henry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's usually neither considered good or bad, more or less like it's a piece of nature. So it is a step out of the ordinary. Sick. Yeah. It's alluring, beautiful, but also a little dangerous, just like nature, out of, uh, you know, signifying an excellent adventure, if you will. You know, like the movie. <sighs> <laughs> it would seem, yeah, though. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> it would seem, though, that SJM was actually referencing specifically the ballet version, which is. In the ballet world, a very popular and often performed production to this day, though I don't think I've ever performed it or any of the variations that I can remember. You've never been the Firebird Call? 
I don't think I've ever done any of the variations because all of the older ballets have variations that people do little excerpts of Ooh. all the time. And this is like our- when you go to like drama competition and they have like one acts. Basically. <gasps> yeah. Um, but I don't think I've ever done it. Uh, I've seen it. Um, I, it was composed by the prolific ballet composer I, Igor Stravinsky in and around 1910. In it, the fire bird. Walk this way. Ooh, ooh. What? <laughs> Igor. Yeah, I was thinking of Igor oh, from. Oh, 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 oh. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> Love that. Remember when he says walk uh, this way and then they, they all walk the way he walks? I remember it. It's funny. You guys remember that? It's funny. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> You get <laughs> Bobby likey. So in the ballet version, it is it, the creature is a magical creature who exists in the realm of an evil sorcerer named, you guessed it, Koshki. Whoa. Which is one of the creature's names that we've already learned from A Court of Wings and Ruin. But also that exists inside a different Russian folklore, Whoa. which was then blended together with Firebird myth for the ballet. So those are the first, you know... That was how they, it all came together. So I do think SJM, she incorporates ballet into a lot of her stories, and I feel as though she was either a dancer or just a, f- a ballet fan, maybe? And if, Sarah, if you ever want to come on and talk to us <laughs> about this, you're more than welcome to, or because like I know you're listening. Doing she could do You do ballet with a we could do a ballet together. Yeah, we're manifesting right now, everybody. <laughs> I just want you to know that you have to manifest your own life, okay? Put it into words. Bobby, you're really on a roll here. <laughs> Bobby's got a lot to say today. She really, she has a lot of opinions. Um, sorry, not sorry. That's something that Bobby says. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure you're correct. <laughs> um, so basically in the scene, we learn of Koshki in his hideaway on the continent. And let me show you. I've been using my phone. Okay, there we go. All the way up here. Whoa, that's far away. So all the way. Everybody else is over there. Across in somewhere in this big old fat lake. He's in here. So are you turned into a firebird? No, a firebird is its own being. Okay. So even in the ballet, it's not. The woman, it's not like, because in Swan Lake, you know, you hear, oh, like, you know, a lot of times in ballets, the woman is turned into a creature. Or something. Right. Firebird's firebird. Sick. Yeah. Cool. You can't have sex with it. That's basically what I'm saying. Whoa. Yeah. Man, I wasn't thinking about that, but now I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Elaine tells us the things she can see through her seer's availab- uh, abilities, which is that all of the... People that this Koshki has captured are all women, and they're kept on this grand lake, which I just showed you on the map, that most of them are, quote, white as snow and, quote, gliding across the lake, which I do believe, again, is another nod to a famous ballet, Swan Lake. So he turned all of them into swans? Except for the queen. Whoa. So they turn to Asriel to ask of his intel on the sixth queen, because, of course, he gets a little bits and pieces of information all the time. Shadow singer. But he says he knows very little beyond that she's young in her mid-twenties and that her little patch of land is Scythia. Way over Whoa, here. Oh, I got to get out of the way. Move, map. Get out of the way. I'm actually, it's Bobby. He's got to get, out of, get the, out of the way. Um, it's a small little patch of land, but it's rich in trade and arms, according to Az. Her name is Vasa. 
which is a reference to another Russian folktale called Vasilisa the Beautiful, which is one I was not familiar with. And it's also pronounced Vaselina sometimes, which is means she's slippery. Oh, Vaselina, when you're riding in the car and you're going very far, Vaselina. Oh, see, I Vaselina. went. I went with. Uh, no, hey, Vaselina. Remember Gasolina? Oh, Vaselina. Hey, Vaselina. Okay, yeah. All right. Yeah, we're getting a party. Bobby loves a party. <laughs> a lot of a lot of weird energy. I'm supposed to be Crusada, and we're not even there yet. And I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be Crusada. I think that you're a beautiful Crusada. Thank you. Um, So... That's just another nod to another Russian folktale, basically. So Vasa cool. is a is a, a reference to that story. They are all uh, the this inner circles all together in the scene, and they begin to argue about whether or not they should go to try to seek the cursed queen out, and who should do do it if so. Feyre is weighing it all and feels compelled to volunteer because she thinks the rest are too vital in staying in Valaris. But right as she's about to speak up and raise her hand, Lucian says, "I'll go." Whoa! Because Lucian's there just ho- hovering in the background. I mean, he has to earn his keep somehow. Yeah, and he, I think at this point he might feel a little useless, you know? Oh. So they all go silent. They do, you know, relatively trust him, but Reese wants to know why he thinks he could find her. Lucian goes on to explain that his golden eye can sometimes see spells and glamours that others can't. Sick. Which is cool. But really, I think it's because he knows he doesn't belong here, at least in his mind, and that he needs some time to go be a sad boy for a while. Man, all the sad boys are just flocking to Elaine. Yes, of course they are, because she's so elusive. And she's, I mean, is she not? All right, let's think about this. Who is the Manic Pixie dream girl of this? I guess it's Moore. I take that back. Moore is the Manic Pixie dream girl of all of the women in this. Yeah, but I would say Elaine is a second. You could see I think that she's up there. Yeah. She's like, she's got all of the potential to be a manic pixie. Yes, dream that, girl. like once she came into her own, you could see like she's out there gardening all the time. She thinks that she's like not as like cool as she is. And I bet like she would also not, because like if I was a seer, I'd be like, hi, my name is Jackie. I'm a seer. And I think that I would constantly be bringing up how awesome I am. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Leo energy. Right. Um, but I do think that um, Elaine's not going to be like that, which is going to be very like magnetic. Yeah, I think you're correct. And also, you. I think sad boys are generally, they're, they're attracted to the the quiet little flower girls, which means they never liked me. I know, and that's why I was always obsessed with them, because they never liked me. And there's these sad, quiet boys that were always like, ugh. And I'm like, I can fix you. Let me help you. And I can bring you out of your shell. But you know what? They don't want to be brought out of their shell. No, they want they, they they to stay a little, in their shell. They want a little Zoe Dachanel. Oh. Um, <clears throat> So, in my head, that's what Zoe Deschanel sounds like. Oh, I, I didn't know where that was coming in. <laughs> that was me so, was trying to show to all the sad boys mm, that I could be that for them. Mm. Oh, okay. You don't, you don't need one. I don't know. I have, I have a mate. Even though he claims he's not my mate, I have a mate. He just, he can't Well, so does it. Elaine, but uh, Ezreal doesn't seem to care. Neither does, I mean, Elaine doesn't seem to want everything to do with Lucian. She's gone uh, through a lot. I know. She's gone through a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot at the same time. So, although I guess someone in these stories has to go against their mate. 
like, yeah. connection because as we've said like it has nothing to do with romance it has nothing to do with that it's just like nature and with the storytelling perspective you want to see what happens if a matehood is not exactly like Reese and Feyre who just like immediately want to be on each other all day right yeah, so <laughs> in this scene as as Lucian is volunteering Feyre watches as Elaine only stares into her lap as he lists reasons why he should go. It's just really difficult. It's so to sad. To be trying to get some kind of emotion for someone and they're just looking at their lap. They're definitely, she's definitely not protesting Lucian. Like, I'd be like, say something, please. Don't look at your lap. At least look out back out the window. It's it's really sad. She's she's not nice to Lucian, really. No, but I don't um, even think she means it, No, though. no, I don't think so. He, But he does genuinely want to help. And being a bit displaced, maybe this is something he can offer for the, the group. And the group seems to agree. Cassian volunteers to give him Illyrian weapons to carry on his journey. Reese instructs Moore and Cassian to go to the Hewn City and see if they have also been infiltrated by the King's henchmen because if you'll recall again, this is taking place shortly after Cassian and Reese have saved Feyre and Nesta from the Ravens in the library. The Ravens. Because they got in to Valaris. We're then with Reese and Feyre in their bedroom as they exchange intimate fears while Feyre cleans off the blood still all over Reese from killing the ravens. Uh, what so, a time. I mean, don't you love when you're just slowly getting the blood off of Henry's body? Mm-hmm. Just like, let's let's be vulnerable here. Yeah, we sit together at the bath and I clean him. <laughs> Yeah, it would be. Can you imagine Henry coming home and using, "I've drawn you a bath, Henry. Come and I will wash you." And you imagine the look on it, and you just like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> you wanna wash me?" Like the amount of times that Reese has drawn her a bath, which I do think is very romantic oh, and yeah. beautiful. I just think you have to have a very particular relationship to be yes. like, "I've drawn you a bath, and now I'm going to wipe you clean." <laughs> Get some handy wipes out. Sanitize <laughs> you. Or uh, just, <laughs> just trying to rub. I feel like I scrub too much. Yeah. I get in there, man. I, I scrub. I scrub my body. But it seems like Reese and Faye are really into it. Yes, they no, do they clean like each they other like off a lot. Yes, they like it. Um, and it, it's like a bonding moment in that scene after they give out their instructions to the rest of the group as the next steps they're going to take. So Reese admits that he had wanted to feel their lives end with his own hands. And he slumped over the tub as he's speaking, clearly affected, clearly like really, you know, feeling dark. As she scrubs at his hands and his nails, she asks why it was different this time than all the other times that she's been attacked. Because she's attacked all the time. All the time. That while he usually feels angry, that he had become in this moment with the Ravens detached, almost like losing humanity or fate, femality. <laughs> Whoa, I like that. Inclusive and thank you. Yes. It seems to have disappeared in those moments. He reveals that he feels like a failure, that his great power didn't stop this invasion, that they did not only get into Valaris, but they violated the sanctity of the library. The peace of the females there recovering from the horrible trauma was violated. He feels as though he's failed them. Feyre, of course, refutes that and offers him comfort and love, at which point he is slightly lifted from his fury and guilt. But, you know, he's going to carry that burden on his shoulders. It just says so much about why we love Reese so much. The fact that, like, not like that he was mostly upset about, like, he offered 
the priestesses a safe place to live. And now it's not safe anymore. And it was where he also healed. Yes. And the fact that like, so it's like big for him and just like the way that he feels about this space and just the way that he feels about Valaris in general is just so sploosh, dude. Splooshy. That Splooshy is a duty. sploosh party. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Justin and so good. Thousands of spring deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save big today on new arrivals from Kate Spade, New York, Nike, Sam Edelman, Free People, and Madewell. Starting at only $30. Great brands and great prices on dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and more. So rack your look and get first dibs on spring styles you want now from just $30 at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. the next morning and Amryn has completed her hunt through the city for spies during which Feyre mentions that some of the citizens had painted lamb's blood on their doors of the the front doors of their homes which I assume is a reference to Passover which is funny because it puts Amryn in the role of God I mean yeah I bow down to Amryn (laughs) I I would rather believe in Amryn um, to like take away my sins than God himself. Same Z's. It's also a funny reference about how she drinks blood because some of them leave goblets of her in front of their doors. For her. (laughs) Yeah, goblets for her. Like, as a way to say, please don't eat me, I guess. But like... Feyre in this moment infers that the people of Valaris are afraid of Amrin, but also know that she's technically on their side. So it's just an offering. They just don't and want it's you respectful. To I yeah. think it's like it's like also in a way of like thank you for protecting us. Um, here is some Here's blood. Some blood. Thank you. So Reese spends the day resecuring the wards on the library and talking to the priestesses. Lucian's all leathered up and ready to go take uh-huh. to the wind. <laughs> he and Ferris seem to have some level of a makeup here because he's about to leave and do this big task for everyone, and she runs forward and like hugs him tightly. This time not shirtless and not a ploy to destroy a whole court. She's just genuinely giving him a hug. It was time, Lucian said quietly, giving me a squeeze, for me to do something. 
I love him. Yeah, we're gonna get. <laughs> I love him. We're gonna get a lot more of him in Elaine's book when yes. it comes. Yes. And as Reese holds his hand out to winnow Lucian to the beginning of his Firebird quest, which was uh, the be- he's he's basically winnowing, winnowing him to the edge of the continent. Feyre notices that there is also a clasp uh, between them. It's almost a handshake. Oh, you mean like one of these? <laughs> it's more like Reese held his hand out, and then when they took the hands, it looked a little bit like you're giving me a floppy. Oh, 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 it's a handshake. Yeah, but like not like openly. I think she was noting that it seemed like a trucy kind of. Oh, uh, okay, because that's why I saw it as like oh, the maybe. like Lord of the Rings, like brother, like the like the clasp on the forearm. Maybe it was. <laughs> Bobby sees it that way. Bobby sees it that way. Bobby likey. <laughs> and then. Before that dark wind swept in, Lucian looked back. Not to me, I realized. To someone behind me. Pale and thin, Elaine stood atop the stairs. Their gazes locked and held. But Elaine said nothing. Did not so much as take one step downward. Lucian inclined his head in a bow, the movement hiding the gleam in his eye, the longing and sadness and when Lucian turned his signal to Reese to go, he did not glance back at Elaine, did not see the half-step she took toward the <gasps> stairs, as if she'd speak to him, stop him. Then Reese was gone, and Lucian with him. When I returned to offer Elaine breakfast, she'd already walked away. <gasps> oh, she almost talked! How's about that? That is like feel like the first spark of interest we've seen from Elaine basically for Lucian. Yes. What do you think that she was going to stop him or do you think she was going to be like I saw something? I took it as she the mating bond part of her was drawing wanted to protect him, him. drawing her oh wanted to protect him. Yeah, it was being like, don't go. I don't want you to get hurt. That was my takeaway. But okay. maybe she did. Maybe she saw a vision was going to tell him. And like, didn't. and then realized, like, maybe I shouldn't tell him. Or is she even like at that place with her seeing capabilities? Oh, yet? no, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. <laughs> Pharaoh waits for Reese to return. And shortly he does with word that all is well. And Lucian is headed forward onto the continent eastbound towards this mysterious lake. I do hope we I wonder if we'll ever get a perspective of Lucian's journey throughout all this. There's so many side quests in these books yeah. that you're always like, I wonder what happened there. Yeah. As Feyre and Rhysand and the sisters are settling into their respective tasks for the day, Amran races through the door and into the room where they are all residing in the front of the townhouse. Amran's pale face remained calm, but her eyes, they swirled with rage. Highburn has attacked the summer court. They lay siege to Adriata as we speak. Crusada, come on, bitch. Get on out here. Oh, no. It's no good. Highburn has done a war. It's no good. It's That's why oh, so much is about to happen. This is when it really just goes. It's so crazy um, that like it feels like almost out of nowhere. But I guess are we ever ready for war? Yeah. So it's it's about to get a little, a little upsetting. Uh, for everybody. It's pure chaos in the next chapter. Uh, all of the inner circle is self-flagellating because they that's what they do about not anticipating the move by Highburn. So they're all just going, I can't believe I didn't. 
No. There's like so much stuff going on. I like know. give yourself a break. Give yourself some grace. Oh, please. Find something that sparks your joy. Grace is my best friend. We both work at the Rodeo Diner. I bet Grace is your best friend. Yeah. Grace and Bobby hitting the road. Ooh. I would watch it. Lord knows what they're going to do out there. Probably commit a bunch of crimes and then fly off the Grand Canyon. Probably. Probably. Um, So they use their intel to note that Adriata themselves was not prepared, uh, having only a fraction of the this, this city's battleships close to shore at the time. They used their intel to note that Adriata itself was not prepared, having only a fraction of the city's battleships close to shore at the time. They are outnumbered by far, and a slaughter is happening. Oh, I know our friends that they don't that, that want to kill you. Yeah, they did give us those blood rubies, they though. Did. Here, Amrin admits that— we did steal from them, so I understand the blood rubies. It's fair. But fortunately, it seems as though Amrin is boinking one of the lead— Varian. —guys there, so it's probably going to help them in the long run. Man, how hot is Varian? If we know how hot Amrin is, can you imagine? Oh, yeah. Can you imagine? Beautiful man. So she admits in this moment that she got the message from Varian— uh, Varian sent out the call to her to prepare Valaris for any troops infiltrating there because they don't know that the Ravens already showed up at Valaris. So Varian was basically telling Amran, prepare yourself. They're probably going to try to attack you. And But Feyre and Reese know that they can't leave Adriata alone to fend for itself. Reese commands Cassian to prepare the Illyrian Legion. So even though Tarquin in the Summer Court didn't reach out for help, they can't just leave them to to die. No. So they go to prepare all of the Illyrian Legions to go fight. Feyre watches them prepare for battle, Reese leaving for the war camps immediately to delegate and head the forces. Nausea had churned in my gut as Cassian and Asriel's tapped the siphons atop their hands, and that scaled armor unfurled across their body, as seven siphons appeared on each. They disappear, and when, you know, they disappear into the sky, and more appears before Feyre shortly after. She is distracted enough to not notice Nesta watching nearby. Will you fight? she asks. We'll fight if it's required, Feyre responds. More wore Illyrian leathers as well, but the blades on her were different, slimmer, lighter, some of their tips slightly curved, like lightning-given flesh. Seraphim blades, she told me, gifted to her by Prince Draken himself during the war. And am I making this battle about Phaeacians? Yes. yes. Of course I am. That's why I got a little bit of my Lyrian leathers on the bottom. Yeah, baby. Summer coat on the top. Whoa. I mean, they've got to look so hot. I'm sorry. Yeah. Can you imagine? Just strapped with leather and just covered in weapons. Mm. Ooh, woo, 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 woo. So they. I'm sure they're more covered than my Lyrian leathers, but in my brain, can't a Bobby dream? I feel like you could show a little clear. No, that's where your heart is. Probably. Yeah, you probably got to cover <laughs> all <can>. this up. <laughs> Most likely. <laughs> it's like, what's the yeah, show boobs? What's the problem? The out. <laughs> and right, so did you distract them. The so they're heart, looking down yeah. and you go, gah! Uh, oh, yeah. And then yeah. you go, eyes up here. And then you stab yeah, them. Yeah, then you stab them in their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, so... 
Feyre and, and Moore are basically about to go off to this war, and Nesta's just, of course, not going. And there's no tearful goodbyes between Nesta and Feyre in this moment, though they both know there's a chance that Feyre may not come back. Nesta just stares and stares at them. Feyre feels Reese begin to engage in battle through the bond, and dread courses through her. She tells Nesta that they'll send word when they can, and then they are gone. After Moore says with a grin to Nesta that it's nothing they can't handle. Whether it was for herself or to calm Nesta's probably, you know, probable fear. Yeah. We'll never know. But Moore winnows the two of them across Prithian and then... Blinding light and suffocating heat and screams and thunderous booming and metal on metal. So they basically winnow directly into this battle. Battle. They're on the edge of it. Adriata over like atop a hill overlooking it, but they're in the middle of it basically. Man, it's hard enough going into a party, you know, of like getting yourself up. Of like I feel like I understand. Yeah, I feel like that I get going into battle because like I've been to parties before. Yeah, I think it's like that. I think I'm pretty sure it is where you're just like, oh, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And then all of a sudden you're in it and you got to be in party mode. I just imagine this is what Coachella is, you know? Oh, yeah, except with more fringe. <sighs> it's a hard pass for me. Um, so she's overcome with the sheer number of soldiers just laying siege on the city just by, you know, this, it's, it's a city and there's, it's just filled with blood and screaming and everybody's everywhere and she's just overlooking all of it. I thought it would be neat lines, not chaos everywhere, not Illyrians in the skies above the city and the harbor blasting their power and arrows into the Highburn army that rained hell upon the city. So they see ships battling past beyond where all the people on the ground are fighting. And there's these big battleships. And Tarquin's sails are white and Highburns are gray. The gray ones outnumber the white by far. Moore is dismayed to note that no other courts have appeared to defend the summer court. Though at this time, they also see that Tamlin and his spring court legions, whatever is left of them, have not appeared to aid Highburn's forces either. Interesting. Yes. I wonder what Tamlin's doing. Is he still just destroying his own castle? Yeah, I think he's just in there breaking his stuff. Probably. Um, so Feyre briefly thinks of Alice, praying that she is far from this Old city. Barkface? Yeah. Where them kids, Alice? Hopefully not uh, in the city. Yeah, hopefully she took them far, far away. Moore receives orders from Reese in her mind to go to the palace and defend the people there who are being uh, basically blockaded in. We stick close and you don't get out of sight, Moore said smoothly and precisely. We don't go down a hall or stairwell without assessing first. If you can't bring yourself to make the kill... She added without a hint of judgment. Then shield me from behind. Oh, what a badass bitch. Yeah. Feyre, though, tells her that she can make the kill and recalls her actions on the day Highburn attacked Valaris, where she killed a lot of people. But I also understand where Moore is coming from. Yeah. Just like, but still, it's like, yes, you've done it once, but, you know, that was when you're doing that for the first time. This is, like, real full-on battle. This is a battle battle. Like, this is a whole nother can of worms. So... They winnow into the palace, and she can see through the windows the battle raging on outside. She tries to turn her focus into the relatively quiet building they are now in. Up above, on a higher floor, they can hear frantic murmuring. 
and realize that it's the high fae of the summer court barricading themselves in, leaving the lesser fae below to defend themselves. Doesn't matter how much you you like the high fae. They always are just trying to think of themselves. themselves. Except for the night court. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. But everybody thinks they're bad. And everybody's wrong. They're really good. They are... uh... Um, because Reese is down on the ground fighting amongst his people. Oh, no, Bobby. It's okay. Relax. <laughs> Bobby, why? Bobby talks in third person, by the way. <laughs> Bobby, why? <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> and Feyre calls the High Fae bastards to herself as she reflects on how the, the High Fae's magic is stronger. And they have left those less able to defend themselves to die. More and Feyre head down because they're more in Feyre and they're not going to leave them. Yes. And to face 50 shoulder, soldiers alone, potentially without any assistance whatsoever. So chapter 36 begins with a killing montage of just the most fun massacre I can imagine. Two incredibly hot women in black leather just laying waste to a bunch of foot soldiers. It's, got, it's fun. Yeah, I know how to fight. So, yeah, they're just chopping heads and stabbing chests left and right. Yes. Do you think it would be better to be killed by two hot women or yeah. by, like, a gross, ugly man? No, two hot women for sure because I feel like as I'm dying, I'd go, go for them. Yeah. Oh, you would yes, Queen them? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be nice just because you, you'd want, like, a pretty image in your last seconds. You're like, you're pretty. I just hope they put my my face in their breasts as they're killing me, and oh, that that's would nice. be wouldn't that be great? Maybe just like like let me drown in them. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. So if they could do that, so if any of you hot women are out there going to kill me, kill me with your breasts. <laughs> you heard it first here. <laughs> um, so. Feyre is using her powers and especially utilizing her water powers, which are probably most active from being in the summer court. Mm -hmm. They at one point find a group of Hibernians raping and pillaging a group of citizens. Sorry to use the R word in our fun fairy books. And they tear through the room. It just makes you want to kill them. Yes. It just makes you like, uh, no, you have to include these things so that we know we have to kill all of these people. Yeah. So they, they, they run through the room, leaving the ones who were doing the aring alive and restrained and gives the women who were being attacked knives to finish them off, which is fun. Go for them. You know. Kill them. Yeah. Kill them. Then you go, then they go to another area and Feyre uses her night making abilities to do basically the scene from Snowpiercer. When where they, they eat the bugs? No, when they go through. Remember that scene in Snowpiercer where they go through the tunnel yeah. and then the soldiers have on like the night vision goggles? Yeah, that they're also so eating fun. bugs while they're doing it. They, they didn't, yeah, but they didn't know they were eating bugs. They didn't they? know they were eating. Sorry, spoiler alert for Snowpiercer. <laughs> they're eating bugs. It's like 10 years old. And it's <laughs> and also doesn't matter in the movie at all. No, it's just gross. <laughs> I mean, it's just protein. Nicole Kidman loves eating bugs. She had a whole section, I think, with like, not like, uh, not, it wasn't Vanity Fair, but it was that she was just like her, just like chowing down on different spiders and stuff. She's like, oh, I love eating bugs. And yet, she's terrified of butterflies. Think about that. What should I? She's got a phobia of butterflies. What's the conclusion I should draw? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that eating bugs is fine. <laughs> oh, okay. And I shouldn't harp on the bug eating. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you 
you know, why I brought it up in the first place. I, I, It's my fault bringing up Snowpiercer. Honestly, I was going to say it was your fault, but, you know. <laughs> so, yes, they go into this area, and then Favor basically releases her knight from, yeah. from Rizond into the hallway. And then it's, like, pitch black, and none of the soldiers can see anything. Soldiers on both sides shouted, scrambling back, armor clanging. But I shifted my eyes, made them night-seeing. As I had done that in that Illyrian forest when I had first drawn Highburn blood. More, I think, was born able to see in the darkness. She grew up in the cult of nightmares. That's so sick, though. That's such, such a sick line. She was born able to see in the darkness. Yes, she was. More so badass. Yes, she is. So they make their way through the corridor, take names. When they remove all the darkness, the summer court. And what is your name? You are bad. <laughs> Gary? Gary the, the brutalizer? You are bad. Naughty. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, just taking names got me. Gary the brutalizer. <laughs> So when they remove the darkness, all the summer court soldiers are staring in shock as the entire Highburn side lays dead on the floor. They finish out the palace. They clear everyone out from Highburn, and then they go into the streets. They engage in battle after battle, sometimes getting wounds of their own but never falling. Slowly, we purged the streets of Highburn soldiers. All I knew was the sun baking the blood coating my skin the coppery tang of it clinging to my nostrils. As they eliminate Highburn in their section of the city, Feyre finally reaches out to Rizan before having not wanted to distract him. He doesn't respond. She can feel his wall there in the loud raging wind, so she knows he's alive. She tries again and again. Finally, she sees a tiny crack for her to enter through, and suddenly she's seeing directly through his eyes. He's landed on a Hibernian ship and is coated with sweat and blood. <gasps> As he landed, he misted six soldiers in front of him. Man, that's so... Like, I know that I don't understand magic, right? Go with me on this. But if he can mist people like that, like literally turn people into blood mist, how can he not... Is it just that, like, he can't discern between his own soldiers and, like, the good guys and the bad guys that he can't just, like, mist all of them in one go? Well... It does take a toll on him when he does it. So he has to, like, basically, it seems like they have to store power up, almost like if you were in a boxing match and you could, the first punch you throw is really brutal, but by the end, you're, like, losing all of your power. Okay. So he has to save it. He he can only do so much at a time. And also, he just winnowed in all of these soldiers. So that takes a lot out of him. A lot of energy, too. But another reason he went to this ship is that he can sense. He, like almost a net over his powers and he's it's coming from some source and he found realized he like traced it to this specific ship which is why he landed on it because there's some form of dulling of the, his powers happening Uh-oh. and so after you know doing all this he is losing his strength even though I guess in his when he's losing his strength he could still just like make six people just turn into blood mist but that's just because of how strong he is yeah that like even when he's losing his strength he could still just kill six people with, with nothing yeah and so when he lands the rest of the soldiers on board just kind of stop and stare at him pretty sure that they are gonna die Feyre hears Reese through the bond thinking of how he has bigger fish to fry than these little foot soldiers and that he had come to the ship again because he sensed the power emanating from it. Um, that he could have ended this battle sooner if not for this thing dulling his senses. 
the armed soldiers around Rizond parted, and he appeared. Trapped within Rizond's mind, his powers stifled and body weary, there was nothing I could do but watch as the King of Highburn stepped from below decks and smiled at my mate. No! So, Feyre is locked in through Rizan's eyes at the start of chapter 37. Also, this is like the big bad, which is like, Sarah is so, yes, I call her by her first name. Sarah is just so good at writing these books because, like, you expect, like, the big bad to, like, show up at the end. But the fact that he, like, shows up in the middle, like, we're in the middle of this book here to, like, lay some smack down is nuts. Yeah, it is nuts. It's pretty intense now and then favorite the fact that favorite just has to watch it is really horrible yeah so the two males on the boat trade rapier wits facing off as favor realizes that reese knew the king would be here and didn't tell any of them to assist him intentionally oh reese he's always got to take it all on himself but that's why you have a family uh, take a little make little page a little out of bit. vin diesel's book just a little tiny family. Maybe just like a, maybe a tenth of tiny, one page. Very tiny. Very just a bit. A little teeny tiny. Uh, through this, though, throughout this entire interaction, Reese is speaking with Feyre, actually kind of going over his strategy with her in his head. Reese thinks that if he's smart, he will take the king alive and give him to Azrael in order to retrieve the cauldron. But Feyre begs him to just kill him and be done with it. End this war now. She can hear him sizing up how much of a chance he has at killing the king with his diminished powers. Who The king himself hasn't been fighting, hasn't been winnowing people in. He has been relaxing somewhere in a hammock. So he's at full power. Feyre pleads with him to permit one of his inner circle to come help him. But Reese, of course, is not going to do that. He reaches out his tendrils to suss out the king and he can't find anything. He's like, where? I can't even, in his magical powers, can't even, like, find the king's body, even though he's standing right in front of him. They continue to taunt one another, Reese obviously trying to draw it out as he's making his his plan, and both of them having a I'm less afraid of you than you are of me contest. And the king makes a joke about how Amarantha always found Reese entertaining. He knows that it will distract and re- redirect Reese from his goal because Rizan will be distracted by hearing that woman's name and send mm-hmm. you know the rage through his body. Feyre again begs Reese to just kill the king, but Reese points out that whatever spell that's coming from the ship is dulling all of their considerable power, and it's not as simple as just misting this ancient king. The last report I received from Amarantha. The king went on, sliding his hands into his pockets. She was still enjoying you. The soldiers laughed. My mate was used to it, that laughter. Even if it made me want to roar at them, rend them to pieces. The king begins to talk about Feyre to Reese to rattle him further. He lists off all of the feats she's accomplished against the king. She has done a fair amount of fucking him over. Yeah, dude. And as he starts to recite this list off, so the king's going, she beat the Adra, she did da da Amarantha, da 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 she did all these things. And he becomes more angry. He was doing it almost, it seemed like, to taunt Reese, and then he's getting himself mad. He's getting himself all riled up. <laughs> Especially when he mentions his uh, niece and nephew lovers. Branach and Dagden. Oh, man. Brother, sister, lovers. Do you remember them? Remember? 
So he then tells Reese that when he slaughters him, he's going to take Feyre, perhaps give her to Tamlin. After they jab one another for a bit, Reese asks him why he's doing all of this. He more or less uses conservative talking points, really just something straight out of Tucker Carlson about othering the humans and saying, we have to take care of our own first, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. We're going to make Prithian great again, mm-hmm. et cetera. My pubaga. My pubaga. <laughs> Reese offered him a sly grin. You can certainly try. My mate didn't bother saying more as he hurled a slender javelin of power at him, the shot as precise as an arrow. And when it reached the king, there is nothing there. <gasps> so Rizan tries to shoot magic towards the, the king and then realizes in that moment it is a projection, like a Michael Jackson hologram in the wind. Just as scary. Just as scary. The king laughs laughs and asks if he thought he'd really show up for a battle in person. Yeah, I kind of thought you would, you creepist. No, because he's a big old sack of coward. Of course he is. His magic removes itself from the boat as though he's dismissed himself. And his leaving means the net over Rizan's magic is lifted. So essentially, he just left the boat of his soldiers to die under Rizan's hand, which is what happens. Reese allowed the Highburn soldiers aboard the ship, aboard the ones around him, the honor of at least lifting their blades. Then he turned them all into nothing but red mist and splinters floating on the waves. <laughs> yeah, it's hot. It is hot. Like, I know that, like, we shouldn't find murder hot, but, like, these Hibernians are really, really bad. It's also, there's nothing about real war that I find sexy or no. exciting. No, but no, 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 in no. fairy books, I don't know why. I'm just really sexy. I mean, you know why? Because they, they make them, these are just bad guys. They're bad yeah. guys. So it's not just like. Blanket bad guys. Yeah, there's no nuance, which I want to just get. To feel like you did it. You got the bad guys. You're getting the bad guys and they are only made as bad guys and they have no life of their own. They live their life as horrific people. All they do is R and P. Yes. Yep. They're all they're they're reading and they're playing, but (laughs) they are doing other things at the same time. (laughs) They're playing. They're both. Yeah. No, I feel bad. Yeah. Don't don't think about it too much. So then Reese throws Feyre out of his mind, and she's back on the street with more. As the adrenaline and fear and rage starts to wear off of Feyre, she turns and vomits. Yeah, that's a lot of people to see die in one instance. Yeah, and also she just—her battle has ended at the same time, and she just killed a bunch of people. Yeah, dude. So more— And also she probably thought that, like, is it possible that I was about to see my mate die? Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Moore drags her away from the terrified citizens of Adriata into a little alleyway where Feyre collapses and continues to be sick. She uh, reflects on how she imagined battles out in a muddy field somewhere, not with homes and children and innocent people. But that is the truth of war. In the real world, there really aren't any good guys in war, not entirely. No, watch the movie Come and See if you want to. um, Come and See and uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, two movies that are really good at not glorifying war whatsoever. That's good. Uh, Really shows, um, oh, it's all bad, huh? Yeah. Child soldiers, eh? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm laughing, but you don't laugh during those movies, I tell you what. Your dad was a child soldier, technically. 
Yeah, he lied. He lied back in back in the good old days when you could you just lie, lie about your age to, to get into um, the service earlier yeah. um, to get rid of a horrible home Childhood. life. Yeah. He'd rather be in a submarine. <laughs> Isn't that great? He'd rather go to Vietnam than stay home. Yep. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so all of Feyre's racing thoughts, trembling limbs, more seems to understand as someone who's been through countless battles. And she just sits with her and comforts her. She goes... Feyre goes on to think about how if she's going to go through this war and whatever wars in the future, she could conceive of the idea of peace in the world, in Valaris, outside of it. But it's her who will be changed forever altered and that she's prepared to do it for her people and her family. Or unless you become a seer and you bring peace to the earth. Does that include Prithian? Yeah. Okay, that's nice of you. As great grand seer. I'd rather peace. bring peace there than here. <laughs> <laughs> I just want the, I just want them to be in their pretty dresses, I just know. having their fuckabouts. That's what I want. Like someone had mentioned, I think in our Twitch chat that they were talking about like there's not as much fuck in this book. And I was like, yeah, because like it's still fantasy. Like there's still like yeah. there's war is afoot. I mean, yeah, I We'll really, get back to the fucking don't will. worry. And I really enjoy her action sequences I think that they're really exciting and interesting I read like I feel like these parts of the book I'm reading like like cartoonishly fast yeah flip 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 just like she's soaking it in yeah yeah yeah, for sure um I guess they call that a page turner is that the phrase you're flipping them right through flipping them so the next scene in the aftermath is the aftermath of the battle they are back at the palace where they there are dead and dying, and the Fae who are trying to attend to those people, those Fae. Feyre and Moore spot Varian, and though he is friends with Amran. Oink, wink, oink, oink. That's how Bobby winks. <laughs> she <laughs> says it. Oink. <laughs> <laughs> though Varian did, in fact, warn the, the, all of Valaris people, she knows that there is still a blood ruby on her head. But... Even though she has that knowledge, she doesn't have the strength to defend herself. So she sort of just takes her chances when he spots her. Moore, however, throws a shield over Feyre just in case. Well, she is the High Lady of the Night Court. She is. They reach each other, and Varian seems to have little strength himself. He was just also fighting, of course. But after a moment... Varian rasped, his voice hoarse enough that I knew he'd been screaming for a long, long time. He's in the Oak Room. Feyre thought he meant Rizan, but he was referring to Tarquin. Blood so, rubies. Uh-oh. She's in big trouble. She's going to the principal's office. So when she and Moore arrive to this big oak room where Tarquin is seated, a room where she was greeted warmly in the past, Tarquin stares daggers at her and commands all of the others in the room to leave. Moore, of course, will not do that. Mm-mm. The three of them square off. I guess tri- triangle off. Yeah, three points. Three points. Yeah, probably a bit awkward. Mm. Um, but Tarquin starts off saying that he heard that the two of them had cleared out the palace. They acknowledged that they did, and he said that he had expected them to come to finish off his court. <gasps> of course, in reference to the last time they showed up, took a bunch of guards out, stole the book, caused a bunch of general chaos in Adriata. So it's a fair thing for him to assume. Yes. He's he's fairly upset. Yes. Um, 
Tarquin says that he believed they had arrived alongside Highburn. Oh. He had heard, of course, of Ferris' handiwork in the spring court and assumed that she was also coming to collapse the summer court. <laughs> I love that fear of just like, yeah, you don't want me anywhere close to you because I'm going to destroy everything around you that you love. I, I believe Bobby could do it. Oh, sure. yeah. Give her a bottle of barbecue sauce and she's going to get right in there. I tell you what, <laughs> be slipping in and just destroying your, your pork. Also, probably getting fingerprints on everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can smell me coming from a mile away. <laughs> I mean, how else am I supposed to hide my my luscious locks? I don't know. Cover myself in barbecue sauce. There's literally no other options. <laughs> um, so Moore tries to step in and say that they would never side with Highburn, and he shushes her. Is lethal, still unfriendly stare on Feyre. Feyre, who he had believed was perhaps his friend once. Ugh. Why? Tarquin demanded, sunlight glinting on his armor, whose delicate overlapping scales were fashioned after a fish's. I didn't know what he meant. Why had we deceived and stolen from him? Why had we come to help? Why to both? Our dreams are the same, was all I could think to say. So suddenly, Reese is behind her. So she's very relieved. Yeah, he is engorged. He's not. This isn't a sexy part. No, and he says, my mate and I had our reasons, Tarquin. She feels, you know, thankfully Reese is here now, and, and she knows that he's in one piece and safe, and he quickly says down the bond to her that their family are all also alive and in fine shape. This is the first Tarquin is hearing about their mating and is a little taken aback. He's then again with the anger. He blames Feyre for all of this. Because of her, Tamlin sided with Highburn. Because of her, the spring court fell. Ooh. All was weakened, and she brought this to his doorstep. Ooh. Reese, with no anger in his voice, refutes this, saying Highburn did this, not them. He tells Tarquin his troops will stay overlooking the city while they resecure all their wards, and then they will be gone out of his hair. Tarquin's not having it. It's clearly not a bygones be bygone situation. He's still very angry. He makes it clear he does not want their help. He tells them to get out and take their troops with them. Feyre tells him to go tend to his army and he bristles. He tells Reese that he should take his mate and leave and warn her not to give orders to the high lords. I stiffened, about to whirl around, when Reese said, she is High Lady of the Night Court. She may do as she wishes. Oh, shit! The wall of Fae standing before us withdrew slightly, now studying me, some gaping. A murmur rippled through them. Tarquin let out a low, bitter laugh. You do love to spit on tradition. Oh, and you're all horned up by it, too, Tarquin. Don't even give me this. You also love to spit on tradition. Mm -hmm. This is, I mean, you, uh, he's BFFs, horned BFFs, anybody? Yes. Oh, they could be BFFs, and they would have been. Maybe they still will. But I understand why he's so pissed oh, off. Yeah, of I mean, as he should be. They really tricked him. Yes. And, like, he really started to trust them in that moment. Yes. And now he's mad at himself, and he looks at himself in the mirror and goes, Tarquin, you're so stupid. But you're so you're beautiful. So stupid. God, you're hot. <laughs> but you're so dumb. So... They don't answer him. Instead, Reese and Feyre join together in that room as one unit, Reese kissing her temple as they winnow out. 
regardless of Tarquin's command, they do end up staying above the city, watching over and also tending to their own wounded, because many Illyrians were hurt and killed in this fight. Reese and Feyre pitch in, Feyre wrapping wounds and holding down patients while they scream. Yes, wrapping. You got a wound and it must hurt. Yes, she's entertaining them. (laughs) And then they ask if they can just die as she's doing it. She goes, no, 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 let me paint something for you first. And she just like pulls out a bunch of an easel and she's painting them on the battlefield. Please kill me. Um... So she continues to, like, help in the, you know, as a, a Feyre would. Yes. Um, and then she falls asleep sitting up and wakes up to find herself in a tent laying on a pile of furs. Reese is there next to her bed going over paperwork. He tells her to go back to sleep that it's still the middle of the night. And she rightly points out that he is not doing that. It turns out he's going over a list of the dead. You know, like you do. Yeah. They've lost some. Tarquin's lost more. We learn that Cassie intends to be the one who travels around to the families to tell them their loved one has died. That's a hard job. I know because I've seen a league of their own. Betty Spaghetti. Oh, remember that scene? George, George no! no! <laughs> it's not, it's a very serious scene. thing. It's a thing that happens in the real world. I know, I'm sorry. Uh, we learn in the scene that Reese is really spooked. Not only is the king powerful, but he is playing a bit of psychological warfare, getting into Reese's head, invading his private spaces, mm-hmm. and making it clear he knows all about his most cherished relationships. Fucker. He's like really doing his job. He's doing a really good job at being a prick. Yeah. Feyre watches her mate weary and sad. She tells him they can't fight this war without allies and that he should move the Lord's meeting to sooner. So they have it set for, I guess, like weeks out and she says nah. we need to do it sooner. We got to get the gang together. It's like Muppets Take Manhattan. Is just With a lot like it. less singing. Uh, love Muppets Take Manhattan. <laughs> I think that's my favorite Muppet movie. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, me too. Wow. And it's Bobby's too. Bobby's too? Yeah. Mm. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. He says he, he will move the meeting up, but with a wistfulness that breaks her heart. She tells him she loves him. This is a tender scene where we see a lot of Rizan's vulnerability and how valuable Feyre's love is to him. He tells her that their first visit to Adriata was the first time he had let himself hope that maybe he'd hear those words from her. I put a hand to his cheek once more, the silken skin now warm. You are selfless and brave and kind. You are more than I ever dreamed for myself, more than... The words choked off, and I swallowed, taking a deep breath. She goes on to ask him what sort of role he plans on playing at the Lord's meeting. The usual one, he says, it turns out. But she has other ideas. Maybe it's time to stop playing the cruel, dark Lord role. To let them see the male she knows. She thinks it's time for the world to know that the good male, both their enemies and allies, should know him. Valaris is no longer a secret. They are in a time of change, and this facade is not going to work moving forward. Because that's also the reason, like, why you think about, like, because the first time I read this was like, man, Tarquin really should, like, let go of, like, this hatred toward them. But then reminding myself that... They are already seen as the evil ones. Mm -hmm. And so he was already being nice of like, they're not that evil, letting them into their his home. And then they fucked him over so bad. And of course, that's like a triple quadruple down on like, oh, no, they are shitty people and I don't want to work with them. Yeah. So I think that it's the smartest way to go about this situation is like, well, now you got to be a little vulnerable. We've learned about vulnerability. And also partly the, the role was because. Because he wanted to protect Valaris, and now everybody yeah. knows about it. Yep. Hyper, like, the worst has already happened. Yeah. So you may as well start taking care of yourself. Right? In a different way. Yeah, in a different way. He debates this in his own, you know, mind, and after consideration, he's inclined to agree with her. But then what about her powers? Is it safe to reveal just how much she's been able to utilize all those High Lord's gifts? They decide together in that tent on the hill above Adriata that they will hide her powers from them, mostly because Reese doesn't trust that one of them won't become threatened by it. He says that Baron might even kill her. I could have sworn the war camp shuddered at the power that rumbled awake. The wrath. Voices outside the tent dropped to whispers or outright silence. No, they will keep her powers hidden except for her night court gifts. She asked if Az had located Miriam and Dracon, and unfortunately, no. They are hiding so deep, even Az can't penetrate their cloak of darkness. (laughs) (laughs) Penetrate. (laughs) (laughs) Did we just become feral? (laughs) That's how I feel right now. It's the prom dress. It is. (laughs) Reese laments over never setting up a communication line for such emergencies. When Feyre asks why he didn't, he explained that he wanted them to have their peace, to be forgotten by the outside world. 
He looks so troubled that Feyre thinks he's got a fever and the only cure is her butt. Yeah! (laughs) She pushes him back onto the furs and, quote, worships him with her hands and mouth and then her body. Aren't they covered in blood? Like, here's the thing. I am a horny bitch. But, like, if we're both covered in blood, I could wait. You know? Like, that's not making me surge. But I guess if you're in a war camp, yeah, if like... Yeah, you're, like, in this... If, I feel like if you were covered in blood in a beautiful hotel room, it might be different. Yeah. But if you're just, like, in a tent on a war ground, you're already... Everybody's already kind of... But even, like you said, worships him... Like, I get worships him with her hands, sure. But with her mouth... Well, I don't think his penis was covered in blood. <laughs> yeah, but still, like, he hasn't had a shower. Like, all I could think about was, like, man, they... It's like, ripping off the Illyrian leathers that are... Co- that I'm sure don't breathe. Well, that you have to take that off and then you're also covered in blood? Well, it sounds like the mating bond makes their sense like irresistible to one another. Oh, so that doesn't She's even like, matter. She wants it even stinky. <laughs> oh, this is this is a stinky moment between the two of them. <laughs> <laughs> They See, went these up. are the things we have to dissect here <laughs> yes, on Akatar, all right? Do, why we're doing it. They window out early next morning, and Feyre notes that there are still screams of pain coming from down in the city as plumes of smoke rise into the air from the fires that have not yet been extinguished. Back in Valaris, they find a wound-up Amran and Nesta, both pretending that they're not agonizing over males who were in the battle. Ugh. I mean, grow up, guys. Oh, just but they have no you, communication. They just tell, you're allowed to like a boy. Yes. So as they demand to know what happened, Reese stealthily drops the info that Criseda and Varian are alive and safe. Something tight in Amran's face seemed to relax at the words, his careful, diplomatic words. But Nesta was glancing between us all, her back still stiff, mouth a thin line. Where is he? Who? Rees crooned. Cassian. I didn't think I'd ever heard his name from her lips. Ooh. Oh, okay. I'm going to nest. So, Feyre realizes that Nesta is genuinely worried for Cassian, but before she can respond, Moore says, he's busy. Oh, talk about Ooh. a triangle off. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. The, the two females stare into each other's eyes. Yeah, dude. Not sexy. They're mad. But if they kiss, but if they I kiss, it would be no. fine. Yes. I don't think in this moment Moore is being territorial as much as protecting her friend, who Nesta is very unkind to on a regular basis. I think it's more to me. I read it as, oh, you suddenly give a shit because you treat yeah. him like garbage all the time. Oh, you care now? Where for he is? sure? Which is definitely what it is. But I feel like. As you're reading it, it could be deemed as, like, she feels like she's stepping in her territory. But I like that, like, as you get to know more, more, Mm. um, more is revealed over time. (laughs) 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 But Feyre sees it. Feyre does see it like that in her mind that perhaps there's a... fear from more that the little toxic trio that Asmore and Cassian have created for themselves and have been a part of for so long may be splitting apart if Cassian's caught real feelings for the first time. Mm. Then what's she going to do with As? Be mm. honest? Mm. That's stupid. Yeah, that's... Stu- 
Again, vulnerability? No, nah. No. So Moore goes on to say, when he gets back, keep your forked tongue behind your teeth. (laughs) 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 Can you imagine if someone said that to you? I would just be like mouth agape, just like... Okay. Bobby wouldn't handle that, though. She would not take that shit. No, no. Oh, no. Bobby? Oh. She's slapping. She's sliding in. She's good. She's called. She's got her Q-do on. <laughs> Which means she's stealthily covered in barbecue sauce. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> her Q-do. Um, so... <laughs> um, uh, and no, Nesta deserves that tongue lashing. Okay. <laughs> okay. Gaskin, go, okay. Get Before this escalates, Reese tells Moore of their decision to move up the Lord's meeting and that he needs her to help coordinate that. Nesta doesn't falter as Moore continues to stare her down and then winnows out. As Nesta and Amryn turn to retreat to the sitting room, Feyre notices that Amryn is secretly wearing the necklace of rubies under her gray blouse. Oh. Oh, my God. She has feelings. She's got feelings for somebody. They return to their lessons for the night, which apparently was a history lesson Amryn was giving Nesta about Prithian. As she and Reese, She's got to learn it. She does got to learn it. As Feyre and Reese head towards the hall away from the room where Amryn and Nesta are sitting, Feyre hears Amryn sort of comforting Nesta about all the stuff that happened during the war, kind of telling her that Cassian does this all the time and it won't affect him. He's very strong. But Nesta's like, I don't even care, so I don't know why you're saying that because I don't care about it. And that's why are you even talking about that right now? I thought we were talking about history. It's so crazy to act like this when you're in your late 20s, but it also goes to show, like, I want to say, like, oh, but she hasn't had the experience. She hasn't, like, had an ex- a good experience, like, flirting or talking to a man before. And spoiler, she's a virgin still. So, there. this is, like, part of me does get frustrated with Nessa a bit with the whole, like, I don't even, I I don't uh, know. But um, it makes sense because of where she is in her brain. And I think it's these kind of things we have to remind ourselves as we read this. And and expressing your feelings for someone is vulnerability, which she cannot handle. No. So, but then Feyre stops in the hall suddenly, throws in a wild card. She says, take me to the prison now. Reese doesn't ask questions. Good mate. Chapter 40 begins with the two of them in the bone carver's cell once again. Well, Reese is outside in the hall, and but Feyre's in the cell, and she's done with the riddling. Tell me what else you want other than the mirror. But the carver is more interested in the smell of blood all over Feyre. He's like, mm, blood. Yummy, yummy. She asks him to pick another object, something other than the Ouroboros, but he's not interested. And what else could he possibly want? Money, fame, a Mercedes? Oh, maybe like a fun hat. Oh, maybe, maybe just like he wants to glow, have a glow up. Yeah, get get him some makeup palettes. Maybe give him something to play around with or paint. paint? Oh, oh my god, you just show up. The bone carver's cell is just covered in just like pictures of him doing things from before he was in the cell, and like him and his siblings, who he has a tumultuous relationship with. But wouldn't that be cute? It would be so cute. No, he doesn't. Mm. He doesn't want that. Oh, okay. Uh, he's amused by Feyre's fear of the Ouroboros. He calls out to Reese and asks if he's afraid too. 
He's toying with them. Reese steps in, and the carver is delighted to see that Reese is covered in blood as well. He asks what they would give him. He chuckled. What about your firstborn? A secret smile as he gestured with that small boy's hand to himself. Reese's attention slid to me. Surprise. Surprise in something deeper, more tender, flickering on his face. Not just any boy, then. My cheeks heated. No, not just any boy. Oh, but that's when they realize. Oh, not just any boy. Not just any boy. But the carver's just playing around. He He's just toying with them. He wants the mirror and nothing else is going to do. Frustrated, the couple goes to leave and the carver asks for his bone as for his bone payment. And Reese throws a chicken bone <laughs> from lunch towards him. <laughs> I'm going to ask Jeff for that when he gets home from work. Time for my bone payment. <laughs> and he's going to see if he he's going to throw a chicken bone at you. And he's going to throw a chicken bone at me. <laughs> All right. I guess if you – she keeps asking for more bones. So I guess something's got to keep her. And you get to suck on it. Go, nom, 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 yeah. Nom. It keeps me entertained while he goes to work. And I sit and I chew on the bone all day. <laughs> bone payment. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm sorry. I just had an image of you just like sitting on the ground with bones while he goes to work. <laughs> just coffee just came out of my nose. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> as they walk out, Reese tentatively asks what the boy looks like. I interlaced my fingers through Rizan's and squeezed tightly. Let me show you. And as we walked through the darkness toward that distant, still-hidden light, I did. I personally would find this to be a little creepy. Oh, yeah. Here's what your baby could look like. Isn't yeah. that fun? No, that's very scary because, like, you don't know. And like, like, and then if you do know, I don't want to know. No. Again, we're talking about Lili Lali Luli earlier. I don't yeah. want to know. It, it's, it reminds me of the – do you remember back in the day those photo booths that – Dave and Buster's and stuff that would merge the photos. To you go in the booth and then it's like two people. Oh faces, yeah, and it always just looked like it was born of a nightmare. Yes, afterwards. very scary. Yeah, I was trying to find those things online. Does anyone else remember? Those? I remember. I remember. I mean, we have like FaceApp and stuff now, and it's that's only slightly better. But the the old photo booth ones were very upsetting. Yes. Um, that's what this would be for me. I'm just like, okay, but... Uh, Smashing the two of them together to make a baby. Like, this is what the baby looks like. Or does he know exactly what this kid could look like? <sighs> I don't know. Creepy either way. It is. So they're no better off uh, when they get out of the prison, but both seem to be lifted and not creeped out by their potential son's skin draped over a monster soul. <laughs> They winnow back to the townhouse, both famished, and when they walk into the kitchen, they are a bit stunned to find Elaine up and out, baking bread with Sarah Dwin and Nuala. I mean, she's got to be doing something. And shock of shock, she seems like she's enjoying herself, being a little domestic goddess. Whether this is because she's figured out that she's a seer or because her mate has left the premises is unclear. Oh, that but maybe it was too much pressure. Yeah. Unfortunately, mm. the twins explain that Elaine emerged saying she was hungry, which is also a great sign. Yeah. But um, instead of just getting food, that she asked if she could help them make it. And so they're making bread together. 
Vera is filled with a sense of relief, maybe not fully, but is joyous that Elaine is showing signs of improvement. In an attempt not to spook her, they tell her they can't wait to eat it and they're going to go get freshened up. So they kind of just like back out of the room. Um, they, As they leave, Reese sees Farah's shoulders lift up a little bit. And he says that he had that feeling the night Farah ate with him on the Cedra and she smiled for the first time. Oh. oh. And then Farah alludes to Rizond eating her out. Noise. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bone payment. Bone payment. The chapter ends with Feyre coming down to breakfast the next morning, finding Nesta sitting down, definitely not waiting for Cassian to appear. <laughs> oh, no. She's doing very other things, very. Mm, yep. Nesta doesn't speak to Feyre at all while Feyre eats breakfast. But then. Nesta only spoke when I rose to my feet. You're going to that meeting in two days. Yes. Nesta says what? She basically gives a statement, not a question to Feyre. You went off into that battle. Why? And she's, favorite responds, because people needed help. Yeah, high lady of the night court. Nessa just stared at her like she was computing empathy for the first time. Others <laughs> need help? Do I care about others? I do not comprehend. What if all of a sudden now is when we find out she's a robot? Whoa, twist. Yeah, and then you throw water on her and like, be out, damn bot. That would be very... If you found out your sibling was a robot the entire time... All right, I'm cutting into Henry later. Oh, no. I need to, I have to cut into him. It's the only no, way to figure it out. my husband. <laughs> the next chapter opens with Feyre learning that the place the lords used to meet back in the day was under the mountain, which was their former neutral ground Ooh. to meet one another. For obvious reasons, they're not keen on meeting there and yeah. have, in fact, closed the entire place up, which... That'll be a fun thing to, like, open up in 100 years and just find this, like, graveyard of a Ooh. underground castle. Talk about the smell in there. <laughs> oh, air it out. Put some windows under that mountain. Put on a, an air fresh. Put a some, plug in. Yeah, get plug-ins. <laughs> go to Bath and Body Works. Yeah, I can't go to Bed Bath & Beyond, though. It's gone. No, no, it's gone for good. And we're not going to get any more of those 20% off coupons for the very expensive things at Bed Bath & Beyond anymore. I guess they shouldn't have given so many of the coupons, though. I think that was their main problem. So they, uh, but they have decided on a place to meet for this meeting. The Dawn Court will do. It's sort of the Switzerland of Prithian. It's yes. very neutral in most of the battles. The days leading up to the meeting, everyone's pretty tense. Nesta and Amran continue their training, and Amran says that Nesta is getting closer to understanding her magic. The morning of the meeting comes. They still, even though they're going to present themselves as their, their true selves, they still dress in their typical regalia. Reese's fashion is his fancy black jacket. Azriel and Cassian in their Illyrian armor, all seven siphons polished and gleaming. Moore had foregone her usual red gown for one of midnight blue. It was cut with the same revealing panels and flowing gauzy skirts, but there was something restrained in it. Regal, a princess of the realm. Is that this a prom, prom dress? dress. <laughs> <laughs> prom dress, if you will. <laughs> Feyre decides to don her starfall gown again, only this time sheer panels have been added to the shoulders to fall behind like a train. Love that. They're just like, you know what? Regal it up. Slut it up. Just a little bit more. Just show a little bit more. Give it to us. By the way, uh, 
we keep getting tagged by uh, this Instagram account, I think called Daddy Designer. Um, he's very gifted. I don't like watching family accounts, but his designing for adults is really cool. And he's making the Starfall. He made this. He made uh, the like a night court uh, fair dress, what? and he's making the Starfall dress right now. What? Yeah. I think it's called Designer Daddy. Ooh. I think. Okay. Um. Very very talented seamster. What do you say about him? Guy, yeah, seamster, seamster. Um, oh, sounds like teamster, it does, yeah. Um, so she's wearing this with the new train added to it. If Rizond was night triumphant, I was the star that only glowed thanks to his darkness, the light only visible because of him. I think that's also giving a little too much to him, though. I will say in this, like, girl, you shine, you shine on your own. And that is something that Bobby would never lie about. You don't need a man to shine. <laughs> you don't need a man to shine. But it does give you a good backdrop if he is this solid it is, pitch night yes, black. No, it's beautiful and it's romantic. But I yeah. just needed to say that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Cassian sees her and laughs, calling her fancy looking. <laughs> You're such a himbo. Yeah. More is exasperated. Oh, fancy looking. <laughs> More is exasperated and sits in disbelief as as that as old as he is, he still doesn't know how to compliment a woman. <laughs> as laughs and Cassian says, I don't see you spouting poetry, brother. Azrael crossed his arms, still smiling faintly. I don't need to resort to it. Goo, goo. They're all playing Ooh. with you. It's a scene of watching them become like very familial with each other and they're laughing and they're nudging each other and bickering. But it also goes to show like whenever they're in a relaxed mode, yeah. like whenever after something big happens and like and seeing that like where they're like zero is like this is mm-hmm. where they start from. It's like, no, they go right back into we're family and we can talk like this to yeah. each other. Yeah. And so you get to watch Feyre, who you saw struggle with loneliness, become a part of this, you know, this unit. Oh, it's this really family. lovely. So we're taken into a memory as as all of this is going on. Feyre touches her head and remembers the night before. Um. She had struggled to sleep due to her worry about the meeting. And so Reese takes her deep into the mountain to a chamber she had never been to before. She learns that it's warded so that only family can get in. The chamber was a cool, chill black, as if we'd stepped inside the mind of some sleeping beast. And within its round space gleamed glittering islands of light, of jewels. And listen, I know we're romanticizing the monarchy or whatever, but come on, a, a crown cave? Crown cave! Take me to a crown cave! I don't want to be the monarchy. I just want to dress like the monarchy, Same. okay? Like, just give me a crown cave where I could just choose whatever I want, and I can come in there whenever I want and be like, I want these bejewels All of on their me. treasures were responsibly sourced, and the, the craftsmen <laughs> were paid very well for their art. I'm sure, honestly, though, I'm sure they are. Reese really tries. Yeah. You know? Um, so they're in a, basically the, the night court treasure room. In one section, there are little notches carved into the walls lit by glowworms, each one holding a crown. Ew, that means there's a bunch of bugs in there. 
Yeah, but what are they eating them like Snowpiercer? But they, they glow in the dark, which is fun. Yeah, that's cute, and it makes me think of those. Although, remember those weird glowworm toys? The glowworm oh, yeah. toys, where it was just like a creepy face, and then the body glue. Yeah, glue. A lot of '90s toys were upsetting, but so I loved how creepy our toys were. Baby born, baby born, and like um, uh, my bunny. My bunny. It's it's why we called Henry Buddy until he was like eleven years old because he looked like the doll, except he didn't look like the doll. I still don't understand. I think that was more. Um, I think that was more my fault. It's my fault we called him Buddy. <laughs> it was difficult to say Henry for me. Oh, that's cute. My buddy and me. So you got you said Buddy because. You couldn't say Henry. Yes, so I called him Buddy, and we had the doll, the Buddy doll. So I also loved my Buddy doll. Aww. And then I we got the kid sister one. Kid sister, and, uh, yes. Kid sister, Henry. They didn't even make another song. No, they're all very fun. lazy. Well, when you've got gold, <laughs> you can't just throw it in the garbage. My baby brother couldn't say my name when he was little, so he called me Yaya. That's so cute. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> I know. Can you imagine giant Ian saying that? <laughs> um, just calling you a grandmother of sorts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, come on, don't age me up. I am 10 years older than him. Oh, so. okay. So that makes a little I probably sense. seemed quite old to him. <laughs> okay. So then they're in this crown room. Reese tells her to pick one. And at first she pushes back saying she can't just take one of these crowns. But he reminds her that this is all hers. <laughs> they were Man, th- I would talk about worshiping him with my mouth and my hands <laughs> and my body in that crown room covered in glow yeah man i would i would just be like yeah and then they're just like glowing on top of us as we're going at it and they're just like covering us in their spew don't they spew oh yeah i think they silkworm i think you're oh, i'm thinking spew. of silkworms yeah. yeah i guess that's different <laughs> <laughs> maybe i don't know that'd be cool if they had glowing silk that came out yeah and then they covered <gasps> you in the silk while you're just <laughs> and you're wearing but you're both wearing like seven crowns at once you're just covered in crowns you're like yeah <laughs> One on each arm. Yeah. <laughs> so, favorite recalls. She has realizes in that moment that she had been terrified to wear a crown in the spring court. She had dreaded the moment when she was going to be crowned as the the lady of the spring court. But realizes she never once had been concerned about every single time Reese had put a crown on her. Even back when she was broken from Tamlin, still sorting herself out, when they were doing those first missions, he put her in a crown every time. And she never asked why. And now we know it's because that was his queen. His queen. <laughs> Today she's wearing the crown she chose now that we're back in this moment where they're about to leave for the High Lord's meeting. The crown she chose that night in uh, the the treasure room my crown was crafted of silver and diamond all fashioned into swirls of stars and various phases of the moon its arching apex held aloft a crescent moon of solid diamond flanked by two exploding stars and with the glittering dress from starfall reese stepped off the stairs and took my hand night triumphant and the stars eternal. Ooh, I want that crown. <laughs> I've looked far and wide. There are close to it, but no, I have never seen one with the the phases of the moon underneath it. Because there's a big, there's a lot of ones with the crescent with the two stars next to it, but not with the phases of the moon. Mm. So, 
Somebody out there, please let us know. If you do make this, let us know. I will purchase one. Yeah, I'll buy one. I have to have it. I know. Um, they're all preparing to go and winnow over to Dawn Court when Nesta appears at the top of the stairs. She's dressed in a dark blue gown with no adornments. It would have been putting it would have been like putting jewelry on a lion. But she is dressed up. It's a beautiful, like, stun. She looks stunning. Then Favor realizes in that moment this is the first time Nesta and Cassian have seen each other since the battle. Cassian gazes at her for a moment, but then proceeds to fully ignore her. She does the same. And then she says a nice thing to Feyre. She tells Feyre she looks beautiful. Feyre's a little shocked, but returns the compliment. But then says, why are you dressed so nicely for lessons with Amran? I felt Cassian's attention slide to us. Felt them all look, as Nesta said, I'm going with you. (laughs) Well, she's gonna go! She's gonna go! (laughs) She's gonna go. Um, It's like not even that many chapters and so much happens. Oh my goodness gracious. Killing it, Natalie. Absolutely killing it. And Bobby, Bobby. you're doing great too. <laughs> and Bobby! Hey, Bobby! <laughs> Don't worry, Bobby's coming back when I get my summer court dress. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. Bobby's coming back. And I'm going to look ethereal, damn it. You will. Thank you. I can't wait to see. Thank you. Uh, that's all we got today. We're going to be coming back to the Lord's meeting next week, though. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's big. It's crazy. You don't even know what's going to happen. It's going to be a fashion-stravaganza. 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 It's it's a lot. It's a progress. It's a work in progress. Please read up to chapter 44 or page 415 in the paperback. And now, Dudes Grappling with Erotica, for educational purposes only. Featuring Kara Clank and Amber Nelson. I let my towel drop to the carpet, let him look me over as I put a hand on his chest, his heart raging beneath my palm. Ready for ravishing. My words didn't come out with the swagger I'd intended. Not when Reese's answering smile was a dark, cruel thing. I hardly know where to begin. So many possibilities. He lifted a finger, and my breath came hard and fast as he idly circled one of my breasts, and then the other. In the ever-tightening rings, I could start here, he murmured. I clenched my thighs together. He noted the movement, that dark smile growing, and just before his finger reached the tip of my breast, just before he gave me what I was about to beg for, his finger slid upward to my chest, to my neck, to my chin, right to my mouth. I couldn't help myself from closing my lips around him, from flicking my tongue around the pad of his finger. But Reese withdrew his finger with a soft groan, making a downward path along my neck, chest, straight over my nipple. He paused there, flicking it once more, and then smoothed his thumb over the small hurt. Hurt. I was shaking now, barely able to keep standing as his finger continued past my breast. He drew patterns on my stomach, scanning my face as he purred. Or... I couldn't think beyond that single finger, that one point of contact as he drifted lower and lower to where I wanted him. Or I managed to breathe. His head dipped, hair sliding over his brow as he watched. We both watched his broad finger venture down. Or I could start here, he said, the words guttural and raw. 
I didn't care. Not as he dragged that finger down the center of me. Not as he circled that spot, light and taunting. Here would be nice, he observed, his breathing uneven. Or maybe even here. He finished and plunged that finger inside me. I groaned, gripping his arms, nails digging into the muscles beneath, muscles that shifted as he pumped his finger once, twice, then slid it out and drawled, brows rising. Well, where shall I begin, fairy darling? I could barely form words, thoughts, but I'd had enough of playing, so I took that infernal hand of his guiding it to my heart and placed it there, half over the curve of my breast. I met his hooded gaze as I spoke the words that I knew would be his undoing in that little game. The words that were rising up in me with every breath. You're mine. It snapped the tether he'd kept on himself. His clothes vanished, all of them, and his mouth angled over my own. It wasn't a gentle kiss, wasn't soft or searching. It was a claiming, wild and unchecked. It was an unleashing, and the taste of him, the heat of him, the demanding stroke of his tongue against my own, home. I was home. Hey, babies! For more fairy talk and hot touch, join us every week here on LPN Deep Dive's Akatar, available wherever you get your podcasts. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.